Hello and welcome to, I guess we're calling this Recall of Duty, which is Hell yeah. which is equal parts funny and <laughs> I don't know. It's descriptive I, as well. It is. <laughs> it makes me think of Kingdom Hearts though, which... Is there um, a recall element to that game? No, it's just like regarding, you know. Oh, okay. There's, I think like every, the remake ones in that were R-E, full colon. Speaking of full colon. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like a colon. Oh, full colon. Poop. I thought, ew. Oh, I thought you meant yeah. the, the typing colon. I did at first, but then <laughs> my mind went to how Kingdom Hearts is. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should start again. A, no, this is a good intro. Let's just leave it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Let's, we don't need to clean this up. People need to know what what it's like. Okay. Um, this is a new episode of Recall of Duty. Still feels weird to say. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> I'm Reed. We're talking about uh, 2012's Call of Duty Full Colon <laughs> Black Ops Two. <laughs> Yusuf Cole, how are you? I am happy to be here uh, as always to chat with you about this, um, you know, seminal video game. Uh, that was uh, consulted on by war criminals. Hua! That's um, a big thing about <laughs> this game. <laughs> uh, I, I won't tip my hand. Yeah. Show my hand completely yet, but that's a that's a sticking point on this game. <laughs> um, brief introduction. Uh, 2012, like I said, Black Ops 2. Created by Treyarch, who also who made all the Black Ops games. Come to think of it, they're in the uh, Black Ops business. Yeah, they're in it's, the. It's their wheelhouse. Reznikov, Reznikov, mm -hmm. the house that Reznikov built. Um, yeah, 2012. This is the sequel to Black Ops One, not the one that's coming out this year, but the one that we talked about last time. Uh, this time, it's a direct sequel. Except this time you were flashing back to the 1980s, the sort of the final years of the Cold War, uh, with the same characters from the first game, all the characters you know and love, like uh, Woods, Mason, and Mason, and now there's Mason Jr. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Mason his jar. name section? His name section, but his name is David. Why does well. Why does he have a stupid name? Call signs because it's the future. It's not a. Is that what they people call each other in the military? Was that a was that an Oliver North joint? Uh yeah, maybe he was like, "This is what's gonna." Yeah, happen. call him section. I've always wanted to be We're, called section. No one, no one would agree to call me that. In the uh, yeah, okay, so section. Because because his the, partner doesn't have a weird call sign, right? No, he's Harper. <laughs> he's played by Michael. So Rucker. weird. And then the other guy is Salazar. Yeah. So yeah. no, just the one guy named. I'm named after an architectural component <laughs> of a house, I guess. <laughs> yeah. A unit of I mean, a unit, a general unit of measurement. Let us know if you have some insight into this, and we're embarrassing ourselves by. <laughs> Section's actually it. extremely technical. That's a common it's, name. It's the most popular soldier call sign. Special ops. Navy, <laughs> Navy SEALs. Um, 
Okay, so framework here. This game is set in the 80s uh, after Through the events of the... 2025. Yes, but then it switches back and forth. So we're also in 2025, the far future, the far-flung future, mm -hmm. um, where they have all sorts of interesting things. It's a story about, uh, I guess, in summary, it's a story about Cold War uh, sins coming home to roost for America. Is that a fair summary? Um, I guess so, sure. I didn't really think about it like that, but I guess you're right. Though, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it more, but, I mean, uh, there's... It's sort of postulating a new Cold War that happens um, in I the future. I think it even calls it New Cold yeah, War. Yeah, it calls it New It, like, brands it. Uh, the Which. New Cold War um, between the U.S. and China, and um, I think it's just mainly them. And then, some, yeah. and then terrorists. Um, Which is a little... <laughs> sorry, yeah. I was say, like, a little bit silly, considering, in a lot of ways, the Cold War has not neatly ended in any sense. So, I don't know at what point. I guess in twenty twenty five, by then we will have said, "No, this is this is the cutoff." What? Well, <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of like how in music you can kind of have like this is new metal now. I mean, like you, you just basically they just decided they want they were like we're gonna start over again. When the Cold War started rapping as well, yeah, <laughs> they were like, "This is the new Cold War." <laughs> um. What did, what did you think of this game, like, on the overhead? The large, broad stroke opinion of Blobs 2. Okay, um... I think it is... Definitely feels like the series finding its feet, like, finding out how it wants to operate more. Whereas the first one was a bit more um, experimental. Not that 2 wasn't, ex didn't experiment with things. Um, but it there's like a, you kind of you see like the the evolution where things run a bit like things are running a bit smoother and there's a bit more um, I think there's a bit more ambition in, in the kind of story they want to tell mm -hmm. and so it certainly like feels more developed and that's fine. I the the story is pretty bonkers, um, and we can get into that. And mm -hmm. and it's kind of entertaining on 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 those merits, where it's just like, you know, halfway through the game, just hearing the line, "Get to the Obama," <laughs> and it's like they're talking about a, a aircraft carrier that's named after, I guess, in that point, ex President Obama. Um, mm -hmm. And you're just like it's, it's like it's, you're just like oh it's just this is the, this is what this game is, it's just really strange military fantasy generator um, that kind of loosely ties into history, but is mostly about um, about blue skying what the future of war looks like, and I mean while tying it still to like the the history of war. Through a very mm -hmm. narrow lens, <laughs> an extraordinarily narrow lens, but um, I, I definitely enjoyed my time with it more because just because it was a bit more bombastic and a bit more sure of itself, and a bit less, I think a bit less like 
I think the first one just the experience just felt very like muddy for me where it's like just un like kind of gr- like I was men- mentioned in the last episode just like grindy and depressing experiences just churning through Vietnamese troops or or ra- various like Russian steps and this game definitely like I think like feels more like it's in, it's fully confidently inheriting that Michael Bay lineage and and putting you more in that role of action hero versus I guess um, something a bit more like more grindhouse and 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 um, a bit more grungy even in the first one in Black Ops One two mm-hmm. feels like you're kind of yeah it's kind of like taking that next step where it's like uh, more more variety in locations and time pe- periods so it's just like a really it's a, just a much more exciting ride um and definitely goes to and, and i think it just goes to more to, to more lengths to, to to create this experience of of war pastiche and and uh future fantasy future conservative war fantasy and i and, well, it, and it's weird but it's like it's also enjoyable it definitely opens with uh, kind of that same grindhouse flavor, yep, and the same disconcerting. Uh, I think the the beginning of this game is like a real smack upside the head <laughs> in a way. It's it's disorienting. You're you get your little intro of I think it's uh, Mason one. Uh, We'll call them Mason and Section, I guess. Sure. Because they call them Section. We're going to use it. Yeah. Know? It's his name. Uh, <laughs> it, it opens with uh, Mason from the first game just yelling <laughs> at Baby Section <laughs> in Alaska where he's retired. And uh, and then I think, is it right away that Oliver North comes out and is like, hey, come on. It's, t- it's time to go fight. <laughs> More or less. Like in the... I think it's in the opening of the game that little like a CG Oliver North walks out um, says we need you to come back your old buddy Woods has has been taken prisoner by the goddamn communists mm-hmm. um, sort of like Rambo 2 style except it's fucking Oliver North <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden you're you know it, it zooms in like 1986 and Jonas Savimbi is yelling in your face. It's like, come on, come on, brother! It's time to go and kill some fucking <laughs> MPLA yeah. forces. And then you just have waves of dudes running at you with like machetes and just like hip firing AK-47s, and it's like this gleeful massacre. Yeah, which. Uh, I think there are a lot of things that are very appropriate to to criticize the hell out of that thing for. It's also, to me, is really chilling and feels like it's partially wants to be chilling. I, I don't know. I don't want to like fall into the trap of too much of talking about intent with everything. Like I'd rather talk about the effect of a lot of these scenes. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I think it, that part's interesting. Yeah, the part is interesting. And since the beginning, we can talk about it. Like, it is a really shocking way to prologue the game. Um, for a number of reasons, obviously. Again, like I, we mentioned, this throwing you into a a historical moment that just people are generally not familiar with, and who are playing this game today, um, mm-hmm. like the Angolan the Angolan Civil War and and Savimbi and saying you know mentioning things like the MPLA without ever explaining the acronym <laughs> like, or who's yeah. what side you're fighting on. Um, and just being like, go kill those Africans is definitely like a, a yeah, like a splash of, of cold water in the face. And and even Savimbi, I, re- I, I, I saw that his family like sued the developer for. for yeah, I saw lo- that too. For making him look monstrous, I think was their words, or bestial, um, which is definitely a accurate <laughs> sum- like summary of how they cast that character. Yeah, um. like I'm not gonna. <laughs> I think uh, Noriega's family also sued. <laughs> um, yeah, which like you know I'm not I'm not gonna shed tears for Jonas Savimbi and <laughs> Manuel Noriega, but like he, I see the point. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, it's like they're. Hmm. This is a, a larger point, probably about how I ultimately feel about this game, but mm-hmm. it's. It's. I think they want to show them as bastards who are useful against other bastards. You know. Yeah. Uh, the the U.S. is bad too. Everyone's bad. Um. But some things are worth doing. Once again, I think is it's similar. You end up in a similar place with this game as you do with the first one. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree, and it's probably I think in this game it's even more clear. Like I think there's like I guess it's part of that that sense of growth you know <laughs> that the writers mm-hmm. are going through, and it's I think it's clear that there there's a focus that's happening. Um, whereas in the first game you were it was kind of just like about being the special troops, the special forces in the black ops, and and participating in these wars in a black ops fashion. So not in the main conflict and not um, as one of the grunts, but kind of going through to to focus on this you know uh nova six boogeyman and then in two it's very much about this generational um kind of conflict a familial familial conflict of uh cycles of revenge and uh and payback uh so you have the the main villain of the game in this game black ops 2 is this guy menendez who is a Nicaraguan drug runner um, who is kind of, you, you kind of meet him in the Noriega section, but um, he's basically a guy who his sister got first disfigured, then murdered. <laughs> Just mm, poor sister. Yeah. Uh, sister gets a real... <laughs> she gets a real bum deal. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's by U.S. Like, he blames the U.S. for it. Uh, I guess they're responsible. Or like various U.S. interests, like the, his sister was burned by a, a private company, then then soldiers murdered murdered her later. But either way, he blames the U.S. and he also specifically blames um, Woods and Mason, and um, kind of orchestrates a lot of 
seems like most of his motivation is just to get payback for that um for her death and through the and basically you know ultimately gets mason killed uh at the hands of woods like tricks woods into shooting mason and then like the sun section has to kind of be around to witness witness this all he's very big into like you know making his enemies witness other other enemies die and all you know goes on to to try and start world war (laughs) three but but it doesn't like none of that matters as like the, the actual wars are just backdrop for the that like that through line of this guy i hate this guy he killed my dad and kind of the you know there's like this the sense of like sure we, you know i get it i get i get why he's mad but also we still have to go and, and take care of him but there's like this like cyclical back and forth that happens and it's really like that's the through line of the entire game so my understanding of this game and it's like i think kind of and it doesn't mean it's it's all well and good, but my reading of this game that's been reinforced by every time I've played it again, um, and this ties into like the personal stuff, mm-hmm. is very much that you are playing the villains in this game. Mm-hmm. That it is, and I think a, a bolder game would have made that a lot clearer. I think for a Call of Duty game, this goes relatively far, though, towards saying... Like, I was just thinking of this when you are saying he's trying to start World War Three. But mm-hmm. he's not. He's trying to, uh, essentially, I mean, in a real boneheaded way, he's trying to uh, end global inequality by destroying the G twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, he's 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 trying to essentially topple the the world order, which is so to me. It makes this game interesting as essentially saying. You know, we live with the results of the the, cold, the results, the the effects of the Cold War. Um, yeah, this informs everything about our modern day, and that the non superpowers essentially were just fucked completely in in you know just like mind rendingly horrific ways. Um, and it's always been kind of the history of the world, but it's I think you know you look at the twentieth century and it's it's essential to remember that the 20th century isn't, um, you know, it's not World War Two, and then, and then some frostiness between two countries, and then the end of that. It's, it's the uh, sort of reforging of imperialism into a new, um, even more insidious form. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you have countries like shown in this, like you know, Angola and. I guess Namibia is tied up in that too, and you have like Afghanistan and and Panama and Nicaragua are all like key places in this. Um, countries that were, in, in a lot of sense, Angola definitely like coming out of you know, the Second World War, like becoming nations, you know, um, kind of throwing off the the old colonial order, the old imperialist order, and then being just torn apart by you know eastern and western like capitalist and communist um forces and the idea that like 
whole sections of, of the planet, whole nations and I guess maybe better like cultural groups are, uh, are were essentially seen as just nothing, you know, just just people to put into the right positions in order to enforce like a lasting uh, hegemony for the superpowers and and the things that happened in the second half of the 20th century were so nightmarish that it's just a matter of time until these things end up catching up to everyone who was involved and I think mm -hmm. this game tries in a way that you almost have to to have like kind of like a blockbuster mainstream kind of thing to do that by by saying well it's a revenge story between this one guy his sister who um was caught up in this and then like the father and son and of these forces i don't know if what i'm saying makes sense i'm trying to explain it as best i can no i think it, it makes sense i think your read of the um kind of of the context is is accurate it's kind of it's figuring out yeah like where the game like where you the game situates the perspective obviously um because you're right like mm -hmm. i think it, it definitely is making an argument that the that the events of the cold war and where we these like these places that it drops us like have have effects and have um have like knock-on effects into the future the kind of like butterfly flaps its wings and and um and something happens like an uh, ocean away this is like more direct obviously um where where like the the actions of the father affects the <laughs> basically the son directly and I, I like that kind of like how that then can can be applied you know like in a wider context and i'm just wondering like, if the game is doing that i mean probably not like in terms of like where it places importance because uh, because it seems like a, lot, a big brunt of its argument is that yes we created a lot of angry people and this game was made you know post september 11th and all that like kind of which was like the, the ultimate um cold war coming home to roost for the u.s um and but i think that's like it's interesting like that the angle that the game is is operating from is we create all these, all these angry people and now we're also looking at a future where the angry people can get access to the weaponry that then we, that we built like our our um military might is not you know has um has vulnerabilities and in some ways like the the unifying nature of technology is something that where kind of anybody can can gain access to um to computer systems without like having a billion dollars uh, that becomes like the the this source of fear right where it's like mm -hmm. this this kind of entering this this future where 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 the traditional modes of power are no longer effectual and you definitely feel that like in the way they like they set up like Men Menendez's 
or set up the structure where you're always like a step behind him, the main villain, mm-hmm. and you're kind of just like, you know, coming in guns blazing, but he's already he's he's always like kind of he's always forcing your hand in a way that benefits him, um, and so like no matter how much f- like violence you throw at him, like it, it ultimately is serving his um, serving his mission. Though I also yeah, d- I, d- like I didn't do the special missions thing, so maybe th- that's also because I didn't do anything. <laughs> I like let everything kind of fall to shit by the end of the game. Uh, yeah, I want to hear how the game ended for you at at some point because that is something we should talk about a little bit too, like the branching story in this one. Just from like a just a pure design standpoint, it's interesting what they decided to do with this game. It's like it's fine. I don't know. I wasn't blown away by any of that. Um, and I also, like, I was thinking just before we leave the point, I do, like, it's kind of, I think there's something really interesting about, yeah, like, and I yeah, I kind of had slipped my mind that, like, Menendez was this kind of anti-capitalist um, uh, villain, or, like, that was his origin story, or at least his um, his ideology. And it's I th- I feel like it's something that you see that you see every now and then in Hollywood, um, uh, this kind of this this nodding at the villain as as holding values that in many ways like most liberals would agree with, <laughs> and then yeah. still like kind of framing it and like they still have to be stopped. Like I think one of the most famous ones is like True Lies, where uh, the the villains are essentially Palestinians, um, and they have like that the scene where they give the the main guy gives the speech about like you know you Americans bomb our cities from afar and yet you call us terrorists, which is like just objectively accurate, but then it also like frames it as like this guy's a wacko, um, and also get this kind of, you know the whole scene gets turned into like a comedic prop where he, his camera runs out of batteries mid mid speech oh yeah cuz he's so hapless <laughs> yeah it's um, like that's a talk about ideologically disturbing but also very very entertaining um and it's got Tom Arnold that's a call of duty <laughs> yeah. I was like I was thinking about the portrayal of Menendez in this because like it's perfect what you're saying about like yes uh, a lot of people who you know hold a like a uh, lot of like progressives would identify with what he's doing and his story and being like yeah no this guy's right you know Mm -hmm. and I think the game it opens uh, introduces him as a character essentially by saying like look people love this guy He's, um, he has like this widespread support. I think they show like a YouTube, uh, I think a real YouTube one, not even a fake one. It's had Activision money. <laughs> um, they they show like a clip of like one of his speeches, and then there's like they show like a Twitter feed, and people are like, "Yeah, this guy's right. He's awesome. Good for him." He's essentially saying it's time for the one percent to to face up to everything, and. There is a pretty, like, coherent... It's, like, the same point that, like, Metal Gear Solid 3 makes, that 
when you sift through all the history of the Cold War, the villains that you end up with are not um, are not nations or people necessarily because they all you know there's a lot of blame to throw around everywhere, but it's you know the people who are advancing like financial interests through these things, mm-hmm. and um, Menendez gets that point from. Uh, I think like brief summary of his thing is he's the he grows up in he's grows up in Nicaragua. He has very little economic opportunity, which is probably has to do with the history of Nicaragua. He's growing up in the '60s, and then he gets involved. His dad uh, gets into the drug trade, which he picks up on which is one of the only ways for him to make money um, after Nicaragua and Latin America have been ravaged by American uh, interest for the last 70 years. He does that. um, There's an insurance fraud by an American who burns down... neighborhood or something in Nicaragua and then his sister gets disfigured his dad I think is killed and then he starts selling weapons to the Soviets in Afghanistan is how it works yeah or wait no the CIA assassinated his dad mm-hmm. <laughs> and so anyway like long story short is you follow his thing through and then he um, he is Betrayed essentially by Noriega, who is historically someone who kind of figured out how to, you know, for a while at least, to play the Americans' game kind of um, with regards to like the war on drugs and the Cold War. And Noriega helps raid his cartel in Nicaragua, and that's when his sister is killed. And so he, like, Menendez's philosophy essentially is that it's not he hates America but he hates specifically um, like the interests that are the the foundation of like a capitalist country that a capitalist imperialist country that necessitates doing what it's doing to people who grew up in countries like him Yeah, and so he's like but then ultimately he is kind of positioned as people love him and he's charismatic and he has widespread support and he's smarter than the Americans and he's working towards something that is like a good goal which is like (laughs) redistribution of wealth a good goal for non-conservatives but then also he's yeah he's insane and violent you know and I mean (laughs) yeah because like when you think about like the actual actions that at least like when when you are in his vicinity like you're not it's not spending that much time on his actual plan right like it's like okay we're gonna bomb or we're gonna destroy parts of the u.s and you know like in terms of actual like time spent with him like when you when you play as him he's basically an inhuman monster uh because he's so angry about his sister that he can't die from bullets (laughs) Which I actually really enjoy because, like, finally a scene where I don't constantly die from gunfire. <laughs> like, you can you can basically get shot, uh, and he just runs up with, on people with uh, his shotgun and it's just mows through a whole enemy battalion to get to his sister. Um, and later on, 
he murders or he like kind of uh, you kind of get a scene that's as an interesting um, twist on the no Russian scene where you're playing as the um, uh, an informant for the or uh, like oh, for yeah. the CIA and uh, you kind of have to you you're trying to get to Menendez but there's like a bunch of I think Pakistani troops in the way uh, or Yemeni Yemeni troops in the way and like you're not technically supposed to shoot them because you're on their side but it's kind of impossible not to um, mm. and then you know, we get to him and he and he shoots you anyway um, or he before he like recognize I think there's a branching things you can do but he recognizes that you're a spy um, so it's like it's interesting that like you're I mean everything you're saying is right but I feel like it's so it's so extra textual like it's just like his backstory and mm. and, it's, and it's admitting this like it's saying you know it's it does spend a lot of time like like kind of forming that um, but I feel like it's doing it in the interest of like a more interesting complex villain that still must be stopped um, and versus like kind of like you know like obviously the uh, favorite of the of the of bullet points Kane and Lynch too like a game where you really do play as the villains <laughs> um, yeah. and it's like so explicitly obvious that, that you're doing it um, well, I feel I think like I, I, I think it's like with, it, it's just with Black Ops 2 like I do think it's at, like definitely like a, a, um, pointing to like like the the validity of his reasons at the same time as saying like but the U.S. hegemony still can't be threatened, right? Or it's like we get it, like this kind of sucks, but also like, like the the main crisis of the game is is that hegemony being threatened because of what you're doing in it, which is pre- preventing that from happening, or trying to trying and and mostly failing in preventing that from happening, and that's like that's, that's the military fear there, like that's kind of the fear of this like future where where people with fair grievances actually have a shot at like bringing us down right yeah and the endings can change but the one that I don't want to tell you too much because you haven't played me you can tell me oh three I see well Well, uh, I know that Blop starts with the worst ending um, which is that the ending is Menendez um I think he he kills himself after freeing himself from prison. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of martyrs himself, and uh, and then his followers uh, rise up and they they like you know global order collapses. Yeah, is is sort of how this game is. I mean, the only way it can properly end in order for the the start of the next one to follow on it. Um, which is interesting because okay so and I think this is everything with that you can make the argument and I think it's a dominant argument because of tone and point of view and I like don't I'm not trying to be a contrarian with a lot of like the Call of Duty <laughs> games I will stick up for no, it's yeah, just that's fine. Um, you're making good points 
I mean, this one, I think there's a very valid argument to say that this game is fear-mongering, mm -hmm. right? It is, it is, everything it's showing is, hey, it, it's, it's not looking at, um, at September 11th and the fallout of the Iraq War and uh, the rise of ISIS. It's not looking at any of those things and saying, well, what did you think was going to happen over time? Mm -hmm. Like, you can say, all of this is horrible, but the blame for it is also, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound um, glib or something, but the, you know, these are things that happened not out of nowhere, you know. Um, they are manifestations of, of, of a trend, a historical trend. Um, and I, I think you can look at a game like this and say, well, this is fear-mongering, saying, look at those kind of things. They're just going to keep doing this, you know? This is, and, and we have to be smarter, and if anything, we need to, you know, the, the West needs to sort of be harder on the world, mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's, it's like, oh, we, you know, uh, America needs to put its foot down harder. It, it needs to, which is sort of a, a policy embraced by most mainstream politicians in, in America, right? Is Sure. Yeah. Is that America is the world police, and, you know, it's too bad that it has to be that, but who else is going to do it who believes in democracy? Or at least no one's going to say America shouldn't defend its borders, even if the people attacking its borders are attacking it for a reason, for, you know, like, for good reasons. Like, if they're yeah, attacking it because of what we did the past 100 years. Yeah, and I mean the notions of borders then become like, uh, what's a border when you can terrorize someone in a sovereign nation? Mm -hmm. You know, as as part of a foreign policy that no one else on the planet can can stop mm. America from doing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't know. This has the Panama invasion in it too, which was condemned by the UN. You know, sure. The Iraq War is condemned by the UN. Like, it's just. Um, Anyway, so I think you can see this game as as saying this is always going to happen, and we have to be harder. And here's here's a vision of the future that you should be terrified of, because look at this like these these important uh, minerals that are being mined in Africa that are controlled by the Chinese. And do you think the Chinese are going to be you know that's like a great fear constantly mm -hmm. now is China is, America's on decline China's coming back Yep. Um, which this game certainly lies into yeah, which I mean if you're writing this sort of like alt fiction stuff like yeah, or you know speculative near future politics stuff um, so I think you can say that in this game then is is fear mongering it is trying to say look at this kind of shit that the future is going to look like and these these people are going to win but then I also think at a certain point or to a larger degree in this game like the fact that you do all the Call of Duty heroics and you you know Menendez's people like get the technology but then you like get it back and you somehow triumph over all of this stuff, you know, you save the president, you know, all of these things, and then he wins anyway. 
you know, mm-hmm. because it's almost like the game is just saying this is inevitable. This is there's no getting around this unless there's like extreme reform in American foreign policy, you know, or or rethinking of certain ideologies. Like this stuff is just going to happen. Um, like in that sense, it's like <laughs> it's like almost like a, a god I just think of the fact this is recorded and so <laughs> someone can sniff this out <laughs> but it's like almost a Marxist game in a certain sense where it's saying this is happening mm-hmm. unless you reform mm-hmm. the ideological basis of of capitalist nations this is good this is going to happen the revolution will happen again like these will never stop mm-hmm. um and in that sense it's like kind of like pretty subversive for a call of duty game you know and yeah. like coherent and i think the, I the, know, the strongest argument for that is definitely the that level where you go to the private rich island <laughs> Oh yeah, because um, yeah. they explicitly say no wonder Menendez rallies so much support uh, when they kind of la- when you land there and you're you're kind of walking around incognito to try and uh, track down some coder. Uh, that feels yeah, like the, a commentary on like Silicon Valley and like American like kind of the contemporary American society from a from like from a not wealthy pers- point of view, like from a more kind of a military operator point of view. Yeah, they say something about like, um, they say something about uh, section says to like Michael Rooker or Salazar, like how much would it cost to stay here for a weekend? He's like more than you make in a year. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon after that, you learn that Salazar has been working with Menendez the whole time. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, you know, sort of this idea, and he's like, Salazar is sad when he betrays them because he's like he doesn't want to do it to his friends mm-hmm. it's like essentially a nothing personal moment yeah um he's like doing it purely because he believes in menendez's mission which kind of it's like almost a way of saying like you know these people are not it's, it's not hate for for people it's 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 like an ideological commitment um based on like gross inequality yeah I but I feel like it's just like it, or I, I get what you're saying it's just like but then what like the actions of the game like just con- you know contradict it and not 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 in the end where like it's like this is all for nothing but the fact that like yeah Salazar betrays but then you spend like 20 minutes like gr- like everyone's like really upset about that <laughs> um, yeah. and kind of like just like or, or even like this thing where it's like the one uh, Latino guy is the betray. The guy betrays the team. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> um, <100%. laughs> percent. Like, or it's like, oh, we can't trust um, anybody who looks like who looks like the enemy. Essentially, that we've just that we've uh, that we have um, designated, which is Menendez. Which is so stupid and undercuts <laughs> fucking everything. Because then it's like, oh, is is there like a racial dimension? to Salazar yeah. liking Menendez. Like when the smarter undercurrent of this thing is no, it has nothing to do with it's it doesn't have to do with their last names both being Latin, mm-hmm. right? It's I don't know. 
Like, I, I think you could talk about everything with the presentation of this game, too, and say... And, and completely say, well, whatever it's saying is... It doesn't matter, because... This is still a game celebrating... Um, reinforcing the idea that the American military is... Um, incredibly strong and led by virtuous people, you know, who... Yeah, I mean, I think... But I think both things can exist, and, like, I think there is, like... You're right in pointing out this, like, this... Um, undercurrent in the game that can be read as subversive and I think that it ties certainly into like where the first one went and I assume the third one might go though I think the third one has a different director um, but this I like this idea of the mil like maybe not the military being virtuous but like the military being like the only um, non-morally compromised <laughs> Uh, force because right. they're just like you know you have Woods who's you know this kind of grumpy likable character who's always like I don't like anybody <laughs> I don't have any allegiance except to the people I fight with um, which is very like um, kind of a typical soldier mentality um, where it's like the this this division between military and civilian life um, yeah where I mean, which has always been the case, I think. And is, uh, I mean, something I'm still like trying to trying to figure out, which is like what commentary these games make on the even the very idea of special forces and the idea of black ops as a, like as this like military elite class, and what that says about I think our like because if I think the major distinction um, in the like the past like 50 years or so is is a military going from conscription uh, draft based military to volunteer military where mm-hmm. um, essentially it becomes very that kind of like in that w- that more than anything else like um, divests it from a lot of a lar- large part of society because it it's no longer something that a lot of if we're if we're participating in a big war, you, then you would expect a lot of men in their twenties to, to 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 be part of that war, right? Like um, with uh, the Korean War, with the Vietnamese War, that was definitely the case. Um, and but beyond after Vietnam, then it becomes volunteer, and it, I think it becomes more this domain of of the specialists and and the careerists, like people who join because of their of partially that reason but then also like another class of military who are joining for like social benefits and then that's like mm-hmm. and then that is basically this painting of the military as America's underclass people who like who can't like like Menendez can't make it any other way than like they they have this one route that is like guaranteed to get them healthcare and college education and benefits for the rest of their life. Um, and that's interesting because I, that is like, that has come out in how they paint that, like I, that high tech Island resort where it's like seen as something that's not accessible to them. Um, mm-hmm. and in the first game, um, you also have this, like this, th- that idea where like none of the, 
like no no like no sides of the Cold War were like innocent, particularly the governments. Um, and then that's again like this kind of distinction between um, between like warriors, the military, and the rest of society. There's actually kind of this interesting thing in something I was reading where they were saying like there was this irony in that in the Cold War like we were fighting communism but like using the most socialistic like organization in our country which is like our military where like everybody has equal benefits and um, gets like healthy pensions and like has more uh, right or more like benefits than like any other part of any other workforce technically in the country yeah well and also the you know the idea of a lot of military branches too of when you're in the military uh, obviously this is not the case in practice um, but when you're in the military it doesn't matter your religion your race you are it's like you're not from you know you're not a, a Muslim from Michigan you are a marine that's mm-hmm. what you are like, we don't care about these <laughs> things sure and it's like uh, this idea of flattening of like a of a united spirit and mission that erases individual difference in the spirit of like comradeship um, yeah kind of a f- like painting as a family as a brotherhood which obviously it isn't sure you know? like I it's a great thing at just as a quick aside, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Generation Kill. I did, yeah, yeah. Which was based on that Rolling Stone uh, series that was turned into a book. But at the end of the show, there's a great thing where, um, oh god, I forget the name of the soldier. It's a real soldier, but played by uh, Ziggy from The Wire mm-hmm. from the the Doc season. Um, mm-hmm the much loved doc season. oh yes <laughs> and he's like you know joined the military along with all these other guys and then they're playing football and it's like the very end of the show and all of a sudden all the dynamics of the outer world come back in and I think someone calls him like a homophobic slur and punches him mm-hmm. um, and everything comes flooding back in and it's like this kind of reminder that no, this is uh, there are these divisions here. This is not uh, some you know. This is not the band of brothers mm-hmm. uh, that the military likes to promote the idea of, mm. uh, which is also interesting when you go back to World War Two history and you look at uh, non-white soldiers how they were treated. Yep. You know, and the band of brothers idea, and then you look at you know, still the racism in the military and the uh, sexism and transphobia. And... Anyway, whatever, that's like sort of an aside, but like maybe kind of interesting in the fact that also what I come back to with this and what I was thinking about when you're like, you know, Oliver North, I think, consulted on this game as well. Yeah. Just being portrayed in it. Um, is that these games, it's like almost like, you know, somebody from the Pentagon could listen to a conversation that we're having about the undercurrents of this game and if we're both you know, if we were both agreeing, oh this is the most 
subversive anti-American video game of all time I think they'd probably be like yeah, it's fine you know it's at the end of the day this game makes the military look like people who are really good at what they do who are smart and kind and uh, committed to helping the, those weaker around them and have all this cool technology and so maybe like at the end of the day when you discuss these games like when people are just like dismiss these games out of hand I think it's completely fair on one hand I think as critics it's good to try to dig through the entrails of them and see what else there is but like you know these games are also like approved by the Pentagon and collaborate with gun manufacturers you know um yeah, I think that's what's so interesting about it. It's like because it actually gives you like a good entryway into like how the Pentagon thinks about the war <laughs> and how how ex-military and current military people think about it. Um because it is probably like a liberal knee jerk to be like um you know, these games are jingoistic, one note um schlock and uh, it's easy to read them that way, but I think it's it is far more interesting to understand that there is a there is like an intelligence to a lot of this stuff where you know probably are like you know a lot of soldiers are not necessarily going to like think that every war we fought was just or we were like you know there is like an understanding that shitty decisions are made and and blowback happens and and history is more complicated than than the good guys versus the world um but then does that does that like what does that translate to because you're kind of saying in some like the subversive read is that it translates to we should make reforms but like there's nowhere in the game where it argues that we should right like that's just Mm -hmm. like kind of like a read extra textually um based on the conditions that created the enemies of the game but um or at least like the conditions that the the way it the way the story wraps up with in the and kind of like a base sort of like a nihilistic um um conclusion where it's like nothing that we did that you did in the game mattered so much mm-hmm. um but then yeah it's just like worth kind of digging into why like why then would the why why then would the pentagon be cool with this <laughs> like it well i think you know, it's like oh sorry oh th- that's it like be like kind of like not necessarily like intent of the author argument here but as, as much as it is like uh, it's just like trying to understand why like the kind of the outlook of people who were deeply involved in the cold war like oliver north kind of coming to the game and adding this and like kind of he is basically his idea like the idea of the of an enemy hacking the US drone force is like his specific idea that he like brought to the game um oh did he yeah <laughs> there's like a whole documentary that like uh i think they released alongside the game talking about like future weapons and so this is like his like yes w- i remember that yeah so this is his war gaming um sort of uh um uh, thought exercise, right? Well, I think it's like 
it's interesting when you think about this because I think the really sort of simplistic and also kind of a Cold War hangover of our ideas of propaganda and censorship are based on um, saying uh, Pravda is not going to publish certain articles and the the Soviet uh, the Soviets will not allow artists to write certain things or journalists to report certain things and um, and that propaganda is is World War II propaganda and specifically uh, big imposing pictures of of Stalin or Hitler ordering the masses or Mussolini ordering the masses out to fight um, when propaganda is like a lot more it's not as simple mm -hmm. all the time and blatant mm. like I think of like when you, when you were saying like does Oliver North sit down and maybe look at this script um, or outline of the story and, and what does he think it's like Oliver North is a uh, piece of shit right? <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a horrible man mm -hmm. um, and he has so much blood on his hands and is responsible for so much just incalculable human misery but you think about someone like him and I'm sure uh, it, it's like you watch those like and I can never recommend them enough although I think most people have watched them the uh, McNamara and Rumsfeld Errol Morris documentaries mm -hmm. um, Fog of War and I forget what the Rumsfeld one was called but they're so fascinating because you look at these guys who um, have in, in, inflicted so much horror on the world and it, it's and you can think of like especially Rumsfeld as being uh, a far right figure uh, not anyway whatever um, and you, you think of them as being sort of simple ideologues but they're actually more like realist in a really cynical way hmm. and I think you would look at someone like Oliver North looking at this and I don't think Oliver North probably wasn't like yeah they're you know the Contras were great I think he probably convinced himself that this is what is important because I believe deep inside myself that America is more important than the rest of the world uh, mm -hmm. specifically uh, <laughs> uh, the people who who controlled America in the 1980s Yeah, and, and still do and I think he could convince himself that uh, it's not pleasant but this is what power is right this is what it means to be in the upper echelons of, of uh, the most powerful nation on earth is that you have to make decisions that are ugly mm -hmm. and I'm sure he can look at a game like this and say you know fair some fair points here but it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day it's showing that like guys like him have to live in in the muck and you know maybe feel sorry for them because they have to make some really tough decisions it's like the obama thing of like you know i'm sure he didn't want to like bomb all those weddings <laughs> you know but he had to because you have to keep the pressure on you have to exert you know show power like it, and that's you know a game like this maybe like propaganda works better when you admit to faults at the same time it's not like we're perfect everyone else sucks it's it can also be we're imperfect but we're doing our best or we're imperfect but the world is imperfect and 
don't you like us more than the other ones mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I think that's that is very much in line with how these how the series has, has developed because thinking about it in, in kind of uh, the lineage of Call of Duty games obviously it took it starts with World War Two, which was the last just war and um, it, modern warfare is starts you know starts sort of investigating some of that um, in terms of uh, like you know Rumsfeld in the Middle East and Iraq and kind of uh, bringing this 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 contemporary and fl- very flawed image of warfare into play and I think Black Ops is like the next level in that sort of thinking where mm-hmm. it's about dirty operators right like people who are getting their hands dirty who are um, working with um, unscrupulous people <laughs> and um, and sometimes things going awful awfully wrong because because of the nature of their of, the, of their involvement because these are not like it isn't um, trench war trench warfare between like two equally sized nations like that like we're, we're so far past that and and there is that admission in these games that 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 we're like kind of still feeling our way through this new reality that we're still yeah. like not really like the 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 danger is is harder to to pinpoint i mean that's why you're chasing it all over the world uh yeah you know um and i think like last year's modern warfare reboot is i think you you really should play it after you play <laughs> um well you'll probably be you'll probably need a little break <laughs> from but it's it's that 100 percent. it is i think we mentioned this a little bit last time too but it's it almost feels more like a Black Ops game with, with uh, some of the modern warfare familiar faces mm-hmm. um, shoved into it, because it, it is very much one of those games that is, uh, which I think is the only way to make these games at a certain point, unless you want to be um, pure kitsch, mm-hmm. is to be like, yeah, these guys are, are, are heroes, are people who you you don't agree with what they're doing but at the end of the day you know mm-hmm. who who are you, who else are you going to side with like who, who do you want yeah who do you want r- r- like protecting you Which like some thing, bleeding right? heart like, liberal <laughs> like even in this one you have um uh the michael rooker character <laughs> he's a ridiculous guy. he's like fucking ridiculous and <laughs> like a, a warmonger which i think is on purpose and so is uh uh, the Candyman. He plays an admiral <laughs> who loves talking about fellatio. Loves his drones. Uh, yeah, he loves those drones. <laughs> um, but those guys are like, you know, they're, they're presented as like pretty like bloodthirsty and, and frightening. But Menendez, like, I don't know, man. He's got like this burned little sister he's obsessed with. Like, that's creepy. He sold drugs. That probably wasn't good. You know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. stabs people. He's got, like, a weird-looking face because he's got a scar on it. So it's like, at the end of the day, you're kind of like, eh, 
maybe these I guess Michael Rucker gets a scar if you make the wrong decision I'm um, sure I'm pretty sure I did <laughs> actually I think it's if you swerve out of the way of like some fire or not. really oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I do remember that I definitely burned his face <laughs> yeah his face got pretty messed up um and like you know section it's like all those guys they're all like even if they're depicted as being sort of like bloodthirsty and weird you're kind of like well i'd probably feel more comfortable with with them in my corner than like that menendez guy he's really scary i I think that's almost like that is really interesting because i wonder because i i did notice in the one i was watching a little bit of the of the future weapons documentary or the trailer for it and they're talking mm-hmm. about like all these um all these force you know the, the the future is full of of um these unseen and small groups that can mani- manipulate technology to to challenge our military might and i think it flashed the anonymous mask at some point the guy fox the fight guy fox oh. mask yeah of course <laughs> um it's which 2012 is 2012 yeah well, right? yeah like, it's the height of it of like of uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street mm. and it's interesting because it's like this re- it really in some ways you can almost see the subver- subversive element being used as this decoy <laughs> that the game is employing where it's where you're like this Menendez guy he's basically parroting like liberal talking points but he's still a threat. So, what does that say about, you know, the liberals back mm. home, who aren't, who don't need to participate in the military because it is a volunteer force? Um, mm. You know, like, like sure, he, what he says sounds nice, but at the end of the day, he's 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 pretty damn bloodthirsty, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not really portrayed as somebody who's building as much as somebody who's uh, tearing down. So. Well, yeah, and you could. Yeah, that's something I didn't I didn't think about that much of that characterization. But it's like when people are like, "Oh yeah, universal healthcare, that sounds nice." Like, how are we going to pay for that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Like, oh yeah, like no, we all we all like these ideas, but let's just be realistic here. Like, it's like Menendez, like, yeah, no, he he might have the right ideas, but what's he doing? Like we're we're trying hard here. Yeah, you know, totally. Sure, we have problems, but we're trying. He just wants to wreck everything. Yeah, and it's like those those damn rioters, <laughs> right? Like exactly. What are they accomplishing? Yeah, it's like they're not really putting their necks in the line. Yeah. Um, and even like calling the the battleship the Obama <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and like you're like. Is it say, like the saying the the game like is like recognizing this the that moderate liberal wing of of our government where it's saying like yeah it's like we're not we're not just like Fox News over here um, yeah and we also <laughs> have uh, that they really drive home the first woman president mm-hmm. yeah very t- very twenty four make the president black. <laughs> make the president yeah. minority um though they did have Petraeus as a secretary of state yeah which <laughs> so funny <laughs> what a throwback huh like fucking Petraeus yeah he like he has a lot of lines too yeah I was like and, what the uh, fuck yeah of course the, the president is a uh is a white blonde woman yeah you know? yeah just 
<laughs> she's a yeah the perfect kind of very centrist mo like moderate representation of of our liberal American future. That's a little, that's a little neoliberal and run by corporations, cool. but um, is not yeah. It's like it's not. Hey, it's center of the road, sort of. I would say. Well, listen, if I if I want to keep bulking up my points here, the USS <laughs> the USS Barack Obama uh, is attacked out of nowhere, and all, all the drones it has circling around it can't save it. You know. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's uh, taken down by its own drones. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe maybe anonymous was in the credits. I should double check the credits. See if see if um, Occupy Wall Street didn't write this game. <laughs> it's anonymous, Oliver North. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a lot of fights in the writing the writing room the writing table. Yeah, they they couldn't agree <laughs> with. Maybe they would appreciate the sort of just chaotic nature of of Oliver North's uh, actions <laughs> of the Iran Contra affair. <laughs> Yeah, some kind of, it's some sort of weird horseshoe effect or horseshoe theory, uh, game writing, one hundred and one, where they're just like, they both want the same thing. No, I don't think they do. No. Um, but. But yeah, maybe but by the <laughs> end of this, we will have a, a unified theory of horseshoe theory of Call of Duty <laughs> established. There's something. There's something going on. Yeah, I I don't know. I think. These games are, I don't know, I definitely said this before. They're worth talking about. There's, I think it's a lot, it's a lot more complicated and possibly, probably insidious than, than just these games are, are just jingoism. I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as that. Maybe it is though. Maybe I just have my head too far out my ass. No, I think it's because no, I, I, I obviously we're talking about it. We've been talking about it, so um, I think it generates good discussion because we are really. I mean, I think it's the same imp like the same impetus that that has that that you know causes a lot of like liberal ish you know adjacent uh, critics to ignore the game just because it's like oh another military game. The same way that we generally ignore the military and kind of right, don't yeah. really like um, we never really have to think about it because it is so siloed off from the rest of society um, yeah. take, until take, suddenly yeah. you do have to think about it yeah you know? but I mean so much of the past like recent semi-recent military history is like the government trying to figure out the government and the military working together to figure out that to make sure that we don't think about it too much Right, that we like that we're not. Yeah. Start. I mean, Vietnam being the perfect example. Like, once it moved from a ground war to a bombing war, people stopped stopped protesting uh, because mm -hmm. it was like American troops weren't being sent home in body bags. People dying were happening. They were dying on the other side of the world. So we didn't th we didn't think about it, and that's how it's been run for the most part since then. Like we we yes. we're not entering wars where we're expecting heavy casualties. Well, it's like, yeah, you talk about how I think about it now, and it's different in the, in the States as well, but in Canada, it's, you know, everyone's grandparents have war stories, mm -hmm. um, pretty much.
much everyone's granddad was uh, fought in the war as a soldier in World War II. Um, and then, you know, nowadays you, and I mean, I think in, in the States with the draft in Vietnam, that was still very present for like our parents' generation for Americans. Um, but in Canada nowadays, and nowadays, and it's also different in the States too, it's, you don't, it's, if you know someone who is in the military, it's, it's, uh, it's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's not like yeah. for granted that, you know, you know, if a, a group of 15 people that, I, whatever, it also depends on, on regions and. Oh yeah. I mean like, yeah. Status and everything too, right? Which, yeah, which is important. Like the military changed from being middle class to lower class because of this volunteer element. Um, yeah. And so you have people, you know, because you you know you meet people in the military, and then you're just like, why, <laughs> why are the military? Uh, and the answer is usually, benefit, you know, the benefits that come along with it. Well, you think about it, and aside from <laughs> the uh, larger project you're taking part in, it's, it's like not a bad proposition when you think about it. You know, mm-hmm. when you when, just as a job. Yeah, uh, just like total forget. total security besides the physical security. <laughs> yep. And there's probably a bigger discussion to have too about uh, uh, that this game discusses in some ways as well about uh, physical security in the military. And uh, <laughs> you don't really die in, in this game. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't die in, in a lot of Call of Duty games. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's like maybe... Should we maybe call it here? I think we could go too far afield. No, oh, yeah, I th- yeah. I think this is a good spot. I mean, I'm sure we'll return to the similar subjects for the third game. Blobs three. I can't wait for you to see Blobs <laughs> three. I can't. I, I want to. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what you think about the the Blobs trilogy. Yeah, we're if not. Yeah, you can. You can definitely see with this game that it is a clear follow-up. Um, it's these games sort of feel over time like like a single writer was trapped in a room <laughs> and made to write all three of these in succession uh-huh. and like research all the events. Yeah. And Black Ops Three is like them once they've been in there for a few months. It's, Everything's uh, on fire. <laughs> pretty much, it's it's a fucking weird game. I can't wait for to uh, talk to you about it yeah likewise um yeah so I guess we'll leave it then no final thoughts you're good with everything's everything's on fire everything's on fire um yeah carry that sensation (laughs) with you into the next episode oh I will say in in preparation for the next episode the way that I procured the, procured the game was pretty epic. I, like I bought the because I didn't want to pay the full price because Activision's super ridiculous in how they price mm-hmm. their old games um, yeah. online on PC especially. So I, I bought the the PC DVD ROM on Amazon. The the box came and it was like eight DVDs. <laughs> Wait for this one or Black Ops? For Black Ops Three, <laughs> like it was like. <laughs> six to eight dvds and i had to fucking install it one after the other for like two hours <laughs> well listen now you have your black ops 3 uh discs 
if plural I, that it, you can. Uh, I mean, if if I get, if they get attacked by terrorists, I have like little a little bit of a distraction I could throw at them. I'll be able to I'll keep them off for a little while. You have eight distractions yep. to get you through. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I I thought I was uh, a throwback for playing all these on their original discs. No, you know, I mean my PS3 discs and my. I don't understand how disc. why it's so big, <laughs> or how it worked on the uh, console. I think they're just it was just big, just a big file. Yeah, it's a big boy. If I remember right, I hadn't installed for a long time. I played a lot of Blobs Three multiplayer. Oh, okay. For whatever reason. I'm sure it's fun. Uh, I mean, I hear they're. I played. I've played my share of Call of Duty multiplayer. It has its it has its appeal. Yeah. Once you like, you have to get over. It's really fun at first, and then there's a period where you're terrible at it because <laughs> the other people are too good. And then if you persevere through that, if you crest through. Um, can be a good time anyway i yes <laughs> that's not a discussion to have right now um so we'll be back soon with uh the next one yeah the next one of these next the finale to the blobs trilogy we're gonna, we're not gonna do blobs we're gonna recall some more duty yeah <laughs> that actually works if you also think of duty as shit like we're calling it the duty yeah but also the not duty yeah um yeah so we'll be back with uh blobs three pretty soon and that'll wrap up the first little bit of this this recall of duty thing um in the meantime go to bulletpointsmonthly.com we're doing an edition right now on the after like afterlife games so we're just kind of a way to group uh, Spiritfarer and Necrobarista together. So that's what we're doing for September. And then October, well, October's a spooky month. Ooh, it? damn straight. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, and then uh, go patreon.com slash bullet points. That's important to go to. Go there, and if you give us some money, it'll help us uh, continue to run this site, to pay freelancers, to pay people to design things, to pay hosting, which actually I need to take some money out of PayPal for that, because it's been coming <laughs> directly off my credit card, and I don't appreciate it. Well, we, um, we appreciate the, your, your largesse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not that much. Just enough that you let it go for a long time, and it gets annoying. Um, and then Patreon, if you do $5 plus a month, uh, current podcasts, exclusive podcasts we're doing are uh, a series on Final Fantasy thirteen um, that Yusuf and I are doing. And then our former editor, Ed, and I still do that Industry Minute when, when we can. And yeah, just do that. And uh, bulletpointsmonthly.com, patreon.com slash bulletpoints twitter.com slash bullet points vg we are part of the super culture network which uh is us and bad end right now and you should go go listen to bad end it's a very good podcast is that it yusuf yeah did i say it all yeah well we'll, we'll catch everybody next time yeah uh stay frosty chick, chick.
Rack'em, boys. <laughs>